Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there, welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth, a space created solely for women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. In this episode, I chat to Sarah Jane and I just want to make you guys aware that we do talk about some sensitive content. So Sarah Jane will bring me through the loss that she suffered. So she lost her little boy at just shy of 24 weeks gestation. So if this isn't something that you can listen to at the moment, if it could trigger you, it just may not be the episode for you to listen to. So there are plenty of other episodes for you to enjoy. And also I do hope that you enjoy this episode because later on we chat to Sarah Jane about the birth of her little girl, Frankie, that she just welcomed a few weeks ago. Sarah Jane, you're very welcome. Firstly, I just want to thank you for sharing your story. I know it's difficult to talk about, but it's going to be beneficial to a lot of families. So thank you. And do you want to just start off by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? Yeah, um, there is, I would always class myself now as we are a family of four. Um, Unfortunately, one of which isn't with us. Um, and that's kind of hard thing to say because sometimes people don't quite understand it. And especially now since our newborn, she is only three weeks. But a lot of people are like, oh, it's so lovely with your first. And I always kind of feel a bit like, well, actually, she's my second. But I check myself on when I say that in terms of are are they people that know our story and they'll understand why I say that or whether it's a stranger and there's just no point in getting into it. But at the same time, I always feel like our son's story is kind of important and you don't hear a lot about that kind of loss and I know I found it very difficult to find information I found stories of loss but I didn't find like stories that could help me like information that could help us and um yeah I'll always raise our daughter 
to understand that she had a brother. And yeah, I share what happened to us and then other people won't feel as lonely sometimes. <laughs> and what did you call your son? Um, our son, we called him Luke. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Do you want me to kind of basically just start from the beginning of what happened or? We can start from the beginning. So when you decide, you guys decided to conceive? Um, we'd always been quite happy as just the two of us. Uh, we'd always discussed the fact that we thought it would just be the two of us. Um, we never really thought we were the ones who'd want children. And I think like a lot of people, when the people around you start having kids, you kind of go, oh, is it for us? Like, maybe, maybe not. And so it was 2018. So we were four years married at that stage. And quite a few of our friends were all expecting. And we just kind of said to each other, ah, sure, look, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We're happy as just the two of us and um it just happened straight away um which kind of caught us off guard as well we were like oh okay well this is what's happening and at the same time we were having um uh, an extension built on our house so it caused a lot of emotions um my builder was none too pleased whenever something went wrong and I was there because I would be in floods of tears and he was just like are you upset about what's happening or because you're pregnant um so <laughs> that was always quite interesting but yeah um we were quite happy when we found out we were expecting and went along to like the 12 week scan and everyone was just like oh you've got an active little baby there and we were just kind of like, oh, any chance you could, you know what it is? And they were like, oh, no, we, we don't say at this stage. I could give you a guess that we think it's a boy, but we'd never confirm that at 12 weeks. And that was pretty much the gist of the 12 week scan. Nothing else was said to us. We kind of went from that, believing everything was fine. and. Same with the 16 week scan. Again, they were quite happy. He looked incredibly active. And they just said to us that look, the next scan that you have is your big scan. If you wanna get that booked in. And we were all excited about that because um, that New Year's had been uh, my dad's 70th. And all my family was over for New Year's. Um, big celebration and everyone was all like well next time we're here we'll be here with your little baby and yeah it was all great all full of excitement the only thing I'd ever really noticed was that I didn't really feel him kick but the doctors and others had said to me that I had an anterior placenta so you don't feel things as much and also like some people don't feel anything until 20 weeks or 22 weeks so don't be worried about it so I thought nothing of it at all just enjoyed my Christmas 
and my New Year's with my family and my big scam was booked in for January 4th of 2019 and that week came about and we went in for the scan all just excited thinking that the only thing that we were really going to hear was it confirmed that we were going to be having a boy and the lady was all nice she explained to us what was going to happen during the scan she explained to us don't worry if I don't talk too much I just have loads of measurements to do so if you ask me anything and I don't say anything don't worry don't worry at all we were like okay that's fine kind of just watching the scan happen and watching her do all of her measurements and then she just said I'm sorry and and out of nowhere like I am now I knew what that sorry meant and I just burst into tears I think it took my husband another couple of minutes to realize what she had just said and that I was crying and the two of us just went silent and she tried to explain to us she was just like look he seems to be measuring a little bit small but let me just redo the measurements again and again she just apologized and she was said to us i'm going to have to send you over to the fetal health clinic but unfortunately today is a friday and it's already pretty late you might not get an appointment until next week but let me just go and make a phone call so she moved us into the quiet room which is a room no one ever wants to go into um you know what that room means and whatever she must have said when she got through to fetal health she came in to us and she said look they're going to see you they're going to put you on to the end of the day so just make your way over there and as soon as they can they'll be with you I think it feel felt like hours but also like minutes at the same time that we were in that room trying to get ourselves together we knew they weren't going to be able to see us for a little while so we decided we'd get in the car for a little while and just drive around and try and get our heads together and try and understand what we'd just been told but I, I, the whole thing's a bit blank really we got made our way back and we went to the fetal health and they couldn't have been nicer. The nurses were there. They'd all been warned that we were coming over and that we'd already received that the news that something wasn't right. No one knew it to what extent as yet, but that obviously something wasn't right. So while we were in the waiting room, the nurses were checking on us all the time, making sure that we were okay and apologizing that we were still having to wait. Eventually, when we got called in, there was 
three doctors and a nurse in the room. And they were lovely to us. They explained everything that needed to be done, were incredibly apologetic to us that we were there and in this circumstance. And they explained that they would have to take a sample of the amniotic fluid to confirm the suspicions of that our son had some illness. They explained to us after taking the tests that there was multiple different conditions and all with differing severities and outcomes and that the best that we could hope for was that he just had Down syndrome. So we left that day going home going, okay, Down syndrome, like we, we can deal with that. Obviously it's not what we thought was going to be. We thought our child was fully healthy. But Down syndrome, okay, at least we can get our heads around that and we can learn and we can, we've got the time to get ourselves informed. But we'd have to wait until the Wednesday. So this was all on the Friday and we'd have to wait until Wednesday to get the results. So those next few days were just a blur of family and friends coming over we decided straight from the bat that the only way we were going to be able to deal with this was if we were honest with everybody and got as much support as we could. So say we had family and friends literally in with us constantly, sitting with us for hours in silence, other times talking. I think our local supermarket was out of croissants, the amount of them that we just ate. Um, just talking it over again and again. But all this time thinking, okay, well, like they're saying Down syndrome. So that's fine. The Wednesday came and they rang us and to let us know that um that the test results had come in. And yes, it was Down syndrome but that they would still like us to come in on that Friday again for another scan, just to see how things were and to explain to us what was happening. When we got in there on the Friday, they explained to us, look, the likelihood is, is that things probably haven't changed too much. And, but we'll just do another scan and we'll be able to confirm. And so during the scan, again, the words that all anyone could ever say to us was, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, the fluid on his brain had gotten worse, which was unexpected. They didn't think in the space of a week it would have progressed as much as it had but that it had basically crushed his brain. <laughs> and that he hadn't grown anymore. 
So his body was basically at 19 weeks and hadn't grown. So at this stage, we were at 22 weeks. So he hadn't grown for three weeks. But in that time, his spinal fluid had gone into his brain and crushed it. And that they really didn't think that there was any chance for him. That the likelihood was that he would die before term. And if he did make it to term, he wouldn't last very long. We asked them then at this stage, what were our options? Taking that this was the beginning of 2019 and the new rules around abortion in Ireland had changed. And they apologised and said that unfortunately he fell outside of the rules. That if he had been diagnosed with um, Patau syndrome, which is what they had thought based on his scans that he was going to be diagnosed with, that yes, we could have been treated in Ireland. But unfortunately, although he wasn't compatible with life, his Down syndrome meant that he wasn't eligible for a late-term termination in Ireland. And that our options were to wait it out for his heart to stop and it to be an emergency birth in Ireland or that we could travel. But that was all the information that they could really give us. I think we both knew at that stage that that was it. We couldn't let him in any way feel any pain. Not that he probably would have, but that we had to do what was best for him. And if the best thing for him was to end his suffering. It was quite difficult to like verbalize those things. But the one thing that we were really lucky of was that our friends and family in instantly supported us <laughs> and were behind us all the way. The hardest part was trying to figure out where we went and how did we get there and how did we get back. Um, we found trying to find that information incredibly difficult. Um, obviously, up until then in Ireland, travelling to the UK was always taboo and in secret. And even with the new rules, what we were doing was still technically wrong and still a secret. And so trying to find out, like, well, how do we get to England? Do you fly? But then how do we come back with him? Especially taking that at this, at the stage that it would happen, 
he would be a nearly he'd be a 23 and a half week old fetus and there was no way that we were leaving him behind in the UK we wanted to make sure that he came home with us so we made the decision that flying was too difficult we couldn't figure out how we would get back we had read stories of people who had done it at 12 weeks and had snuck their baby onto the plane in their bag and it was just harrowing to read that but at the same time not know an answer of how we were supposed to do it so we made the decision that um we'd drive over um that way at least we were in the car it was just the two of us we didn't have to deal with any airport security what happens if they took him away or made him made us check our luggage through and all of that kind of stuff so we made the decision that we drive over and we found a place in the UK that had an available appointment obviously at this point for us it was quite a short time scale between the the uh, big scan all the tests and then trying to get over all of this had to be done before 24 weeks pregnant um, to be able to be done so we had gotten ourselves booked to drive over on the Sunday I think we had a few days in Dublin before going and again our friends and family were so supportive they didn't leave our sides never left us alone made sure that we we were okay and no, uh, oh, sorry oh. yeah that drive was it was a long drive it was a long and lonely place to the only way I could really put it was the indignity of having in this day and age to have to travel to another country to do what was right for our child just felt wrong we knew the whole time we were doing the right thing there was no way that we weren't doing the right thing we were making sure that he was never going to feel the pain of what was happening to him but why couldn't we be treated at home that's all that kind of lingered over us now the people in the uk they were lovely they were so apologetic because for them as well, they had watched the year before Ireland having the referendum and they believed that they were no longer going to really see people from Ireland anymore. They were shocked that the rules hadn't been expanded enough um, and that there would still be people in my position traveling over. Um, I was lucky that um, I ended up having a room by myself, which meant that my husband could be with me. And on the 23rd of 
January 2019, our little boy was born. I'd say to this day, till the hardest moment of my life, I don't think there'll be anything that I go through that will be as hard as that. Knowing, knowing he was going to be asleep when he was born and being so far away from home. I think, I think for both of us, we've always just felt that like, yeah, why weren't the rules expanded enough when the hospital quite clearly said that he's not compatible with life? How was it that we weren't allowed to be treated? But later on, they did explain to us that, unfortunately, the rules, they literally had only just, just come in like that week and nobody knew exactly like how far things could be stretched as such so everyone was very clear like these are the rules like it can happen up to 12 weeks and anything after that it's only if the baby is uh, fetal fatal and a, a diagnosis of down syndrome isn't fetal fatal which is completely right but with all the other issues like the fact that he had so much fluid on his brain that it was so badly crushed he also had holes in his heart he hadn't grown for weeks they knew that he wasn't going to survive so that was the thing that we could never get is how could he then not fall into the rules but I know that they did everything for us. Like they, they, they weren't, they weren't dismissive of us and kind of going like, "This is like, sorry, this is the diagnosis, and now you're on your own." They, the hospital were still very good with us. They, they said whenever we needed to come in and talk to them, if we needed anything ever explained or anything like that, or any help, bereavement help or anything like that. They gave us phone numbers for support groups. So it, it, it wasn't the like the old, old days where you got the news and you were left on your own. Um, and they, as I said, they were very apologetic that the new rules just weren't stretched far enough. But it still doesn't change the fact that we had to travel in the way that we did and then have the indignity of sneaking our, technically sneaking our, our, our son's body back into the country, like hiding him in, in the car when we get on the ferry because we don't know whether are we even allowed to bring him back like is he going to be taken away from us like he technically doesn't exist because he was born and um, just short of 24 weeks so here in Ireland he's he doesn't um technically have ever existed um, only a child born after 24 weeks are you then classed as having had a stillbirth 
and then you're entitled to maternity leave um, to deal with your bereavement. But he was born a day before that. And in the eyes of Ireland, he doesn't exist. That's also heartbreaking and that's difficult to deal with. Because um, for every part of us, he completely existed. There was no way that we could have left him in, in the UK. He had to come home with us. He had to have a funeral. Even if that funeral was just me and my husband and him, that we needed to, to do that. Um, that was that was the day that I'll I'll never forget was his funeral. And again, everyone who showed up for us um, when we arrived, we decided to have it just straight at the crematorium. Neither of us are massively religious. We believe that there is something, but what it is, we're not entirely certain. Um, but there has to be something is what we both believe but um when we arrived at the church and all of our friends were outside like that 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 was heartwarming and we expected it literally just to be ourselves and not so many people i think what happened to us hurt a lot of people um everyone had been invested in in his birth at this around the same time that we were expecting so many of our friends were expecting and so if for one to lose their child it was it, it it was difficult um it took us a long time to get our heads around it um but say the hospital they were very good they had us in afterwards. They explained to us everything that had happened and everything that was wrong with him. I think my question the whole time was just kind of like, how did nobody notice this? Um, how did we get to the big scan before this was noticed? Because you hear all these things, but it's just life, unfortunately. And that was unfortunately what what happened to him but he's our little boy and we named him Luke and he'll always be a part of our family um it took us some time to get ourselves together we were lucky it made us really strong um and a few months later, we decided that we'd try again. Thinking, well, let's see what happens. And surprised again, straight away, that I was pregnant. But unfortunately, at six weeks, I lost that one. And at first I was like, geez, how could this happen? How, how can this happen again? And we decided we needed to get out of the country. <laughs> we needed a holiday. 
as off we went on holiday just to switch off, get away from the year that it was. Came back home and find out I was pregnant again, <laughs> which was a massive shock. I was all excited, but also quite nervous going, all right, like have to get to however many weeks and then I can feel calm. But unfortunately, again, I lost that one this time around seven or eight weeks. So we went to the doctors and we were just like, right, what is going on? How can this be happening? And we were sent then for testing to check whether it was maybe a genetic with the fact that Luke had Down syndrome. And then I'd lost two pregnancies. But thankfully they came back clear. Neither of us carried any genes as to why this had happened. It was just luck as they explained it. But part of you gets angry. And you're just like, why? Because each of those early miscarriages hurt me just as much as losing Luke. And that was the one thing that we both kind of discussed over and over again was loss, loss at any point, whether it be like Luke or early miscarriage or anything. They're all just so painful. I don't understand how it happened to us so many times. And God, there are people out there that it happened so many more times. How, how do they keep it together? Previous to ever being pregnant, I'd obviously heard of people and all I ever felt was, God, so sorry for them. Like, that must be devastating because to be pregnant in the first place, they must have wanted it. And so to have lost that, any loss at any stage is just devastating. And I then, when we lost Luke, we had people telling us of their losses I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But going, oh, it's nothing like, though, what you had because it happened to us at this earlier stage or, 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 oh, we weren't as far along as you or things along those lines. And all I could think was, no, no, your loss is just as painful. Like, and it then for us, when we then experienced two early miscarriages, that's when it really drew kind of home of just how it doesn't matter when it happens. Everyone has the right to say, this has happened to me and it hurts me. And I need to be upset and I need to be able to say it. The thing is, I think for a lot of people, especially like the pre 12 week loss, you've kept your pregnancy quiet anyway. Like no one knew you were pregnant because nobody wants to say you're pregnant until you've gotten to the 12 weeks. So you kind of feel like, well, who can I tell? Because no one knew I was pregnant in the first place. So I'll just keep it to myself. But no, you need to say it because it will, it it's only going to hurt you more. It's only going to make how you recover harder. And only by speaking out about it do you find out about other people, maybe people who are really close to you, who it has happened to, and you'll find a support in that. And that was something when the referendum was coming about back in 2018 was people were open about their stories there kind of feels a need that there needs to be more openness even now just because the referendum has happened and, and the and the law got changed the stories still need to come out people still need to know where are the supports like who do you turn to because it, it, it's not an easy one to vocalize. Some people might feel ashamed that it's happened to them. Some people, when it happens multiple times, you just feel like, 
oh, people must be sick and tired of hearing me telling them that this has happened to me again. Like, they just, it's like with everything, mental health, everything, you just need to be open. And you'll find someone, someone will be open. And it, it might not be in your friend circle. It might not be in your family circle. It might be just a work colleague. My husband, like myself, has been very open. And a lot of people in his work know what has happened to us. And a lot of people in his work have been open that it has happened to them too. And it's made him a lot closer to people he works with. This openness of conversation that you wouldn't normally, like you wouldn't normally talk about your personal lives or that much of your personal lives sometimes with your work colleagues. And he feels a lot closer to a lot of people in his work now because they've been so open and they've all been so like engaged and they've they've been so lovely and, and caring towards him which was a great support for me knowing that he was supported um, because I think sometimes people even then forget forget the man in the situation is just like he has to be strong he has to look after the wife well no that that baby whether it was six weeks pregnant 24 weeks pregnant or full term that wasn't just the wife's dream that was the husband's dream as well he pictured that he pictured where that that life and what that meant for his family and he needs to be supported as well um so yeah that that's where we looked out we we really really did look out um in in the family and friends and work colleagues being so supportive and the only way that happened was because we decided to be so honest about it and admit to everyone this is what's happening to us this is what's happening to our son these are the decisions that we're going to have to make and even then further on when we were pregnant again and lost and then pregnant again and lost we told them we could have easily have kept those quiet but we were just like no we need the support and they and since i can't find a like a support group for this they have to they have to know because they have to understand why we're upset or why we're not around. And um, yeah, we really lucked out in that. Um, I think the hardest was when we found out we were expecting again. My brain went 90. Um, I don't think for any part of my pregnancy with our daughter that I was calm ever um, when you've lost in early pregnancy you're petrified you're petrified of every little ache you're petrified to go to the bathroom petrified that as soon as you're waiting every time you go to the bathroom to see blood and for this one to be gone as well um as I don't think that went from my head until maybe about 
14 weeks. Um, I was certain there was no way that we, we would be able to hold a pregnancy. Um, and then we got to that stage. We'd had our first scan. Now, I, we've, we also, we, not that we'd had our first scan, we'd had multiple scans by the time we got to 12 weeks because obviously with our past, um, the hospital had us in straight from the beginning. We were looked after by the fetal health unit straight from the beginning. We had extra scans, as many as appointments. They were on the phone whenever we needed them, whenever we were worried, they were literally all over us. And we also decided that we'd have um, the panorama test done just for peace of mind that if there was a condition that we would know about the condition early on and be able to make an informed decision uh, early on in the pregnancy. So when we got to nine weeks, we had that test and by 10 weeks, the results came in and thankfully it came in saying low risk. You'd think that that would have calmed us down, but still, for me, I know I was just like, nope, this test has to be wrong. There's no way that one, I'm going to stay pregnant. Two, that the baby's going to be healthy. Something has to be wrong because that's just got to be our luck. Um, as I say, we then got to 12 weeks and we kind of felt like, okay, we're going to tell our family that we're expecting. And so we told them, and it was quite a subdued, like, reaction. Everyone was just like, oh, okay. And I know why. Obviously, they were all concerned. But as soon as I said, look, we've had this test. Everything's all right. Everyone got a little bit more excited. And then COVID hits. <laughs> And the country goes into lockdown and you're locked off from everything. You're pregnant, you're scared, and there's a pandemic and my husband can't come to appointments anymore. So it was a bit of a cluster of everything all at once. But all I remember turning around to my husband and saying was, Thank God that we know that she's all right. Could you imagine for anybody who is getting bad news? What are they going to do? What would someone who is in, who was in our situation only the year before do now if they fell outside of the rules and they had to travel? How would they do that? And and that's all that went through my brain. I was just like, right, I'm worried about my own pregnancy. Like, there's all these things. But my main thing that went through my head most of lockdown was, God, I feel for anybody who gets bad news. How could you go to those? Like, and then that came even more prevalent in my head the closer I got to our big scan and realizing 
I was going to this on my own, like the lockdown wasn't getting any better, restrictions weren't being lifted. I was petrified going to our big scan, even though I I literally probably had about 20 scans at this stage. I probably only had a scan the week before. She was the most photographed little fetus there was, like, and I knew there'd be no reason why I had to be scared, but I was petrified to go to our big scan and to go on my own. And I just, as I say, I just felt for anybody who was going to this and was going to get bad news. Like, yeah, it's a lonely, it's a lonely, lonely place. It's starting to surface now, the, you know, the stories, I'm sure you're hearing of them, um, of women going in alone and it's just, and delivering the news to their husbands in the car park. Because even, I was just at a normal appointment one day and a lady um, ahead of me got brought in and she got told she had uh, preeclampsia and she was in floods of tears. And they were like, just call your husband. And she was just like, but he's out in the car. And she's like, yeah, it's fine. He can come in, he can come in. And even just that kind of hit it for me again. It was just kind of like, they, I think she was, I think she was about 38 weeks pregnant. But she was in a hospital and they were going to treat her in Ireland, but it was still shocking for her and shocking on her own and how like wait a minute what what's going on even like the simplest things are so heightened when you're pregnant I mean all your fears are heightened when you're pregnant so for anybody to have gone and gotten that devastating news and as you say going out to the car park and then having to try and relay that news like we had scans all the time and me even trying to relay back the information of what I was told, even though it was simple things, would get lost in translation and we'd get scared because I was like, I'm not explaining that right. And then you try and Google it. And when you Google things, even like a common cold comes up that you that like something's wrong with you. So don't ever Google trying to explain any medical pregnancy terms like you'd be petrified like yeah just and then as I say on top of that for anybody who would have been like us the previous year and fell outside of the rules how did they how did how did they do it I I felt for them and I felt very worried. I felt very worried that there'd be a lot of people in a, in a lot of very uncomfortable situations that were then maybe left to have to carry a child that wasn't compatible with life and would have to wait for the heart to stop and then it become an emergency birth. How much more trauma was this putting on people. Um. And without the blanket of friends and family, which I'm, I'm obviously you need throughout that time, you need all the time, but you seem to have a really beautiful support network of family and friends that really like helped you through it. So to, ha- 
to not have that when you like are basically forced to carry a baby that's not compatible with life it just must be like it's unimaginable the partner could only be there for active birth so if if someone was losing a child like were they at least flexible with those rules like because obviously you're induced like if if the if the heart has already stopped you're induced and so were you doing that on your own like oh it's just it's not it's not something that you want to think about but it's it existed that's that's the problem that it was reality for it was definitely reality for women when it shouldn't shouldn't have ever been and even now it just shouldn't like I was listening to um an interview the other day and a gentleman was saying that he saw his wife walking towards him in the car park in floods of tears but she was crying because they she just found out they had twins but he just saw her walking towards him and she was you know so automatically you think that there's something terribly wrong so you're thinking about the partners as well it just it's awful for them Oh yeah, my husband the whole time he'd be just like, "Text me when you're in the waiting room. Text me when you're in then the the next corridor. Text me after you've been in with the nurse. Text me just before you go in because as as um, lockdown went on and one um, and some of the restrictions got eased a little bit, the hospitals obviously got a little bit busier, and so my appointments um the wait time got a bit longer and he would get more and more nervous because i would be in the hospital that little bit longer each time and he'd be just like where are you and i'd be just like i've literally just been to the toilet sorry like so for anybody with a high risk pregnancy previous miscarriages or anything and then just in general yeah the husband sitting outside that and that's all you saw literally outside the hospital were like rows and rows of cars of husbands just sitting there waiting and you could tell the yeah you could see the nervousness in them all do you want to talk us through your your third trimester or your pregnancy how did you feel throughout uh petrified <laughs> absolutely petrified and um, again i had another anterior placenta i basically never felt a kick um so um on top of all of the extra scans that fetal health were giving us um i think every nurse in the a e department knew me and um, by by the time she was born um because i was in there so much they were just kind of like, are you literally just here just for us to make sure she's moving? I was like, yes. So I was never there too long. They were always very, very good and very, very helpful. Um, but yeah, it was a nerve wracking pregnancy. And looking back on it now, it was actually quite a smooth pregnancy. I, bar having quite bad nausea at the beginning and obviously not feeling her kick, which plays with your mental health a little bit um it was actually quite smooth sailing there was no issues there was no problems um 
and it was in one sense it was I wish I could have enjoyed it more I wish what obviously because we with my with our son we didn't find out until the big scan in in your brain you go, you wonder after every scan no oh, they must have missed something there there has to be something wrong and that was an issue for me i it played on my mental health quite a lot um and and that was part of then the issue with lockdown of my husband not being able to come to appointments and me having to relay to him what happened was one things would be lost in my translation of what happened that then I would then second guess and question wait a minute did they say it this way where if he had been with me he would have been able to have calmed me down by being able to say no the doctor said it this way they said it in a good way that I and you know what I mean in that kind of thing of like oh no they weren't saying this as a bad thing they're saying this is a normal thing but when you're there on your own and he wasn't there to see the doctor and see how the doctor spoke my my brain very quickly after an appointment would manage to turn it into a bad appointment I'd get myself stressed um and yeah that made things difficult um the mental health but again the doctor picked up on that and they were very aware and got me in touch with the mental health people um and I had quite a few phone conversations with them because of lockdown and not being able to go in and see them in person but I spoke to them over the phone and went through what it was that I was nervous about and Again, I'm still in touch with them I'm, um, now because my main fears were, as I've said before, they must be wrong. There has to be something wrong with her. There's no way that she's going to be here and she's going to be healthy because three pregnancies before that hadn't happened. Um, and that too, that I could possibly reject her because she wasn't my son. And that was a big fear, was rejecting her um, or maybe treating her differently than maybe I would have um, if, her, if her brother was still here. Um, but thankfully, um, three weeks ago, um, on the 25th of August, she arrived. And one week early which I'm kind of glad of because I didn't have that whole going overdue and getting kind of nervous and stuff literally just one night in bed my waters went and off we went into the hospital and again because of my file they were like no we're going to keep you in like you're not even dilated but we're not sending you home you're going to stay here they sent my husband home saying, like, we'll give you a call, but it'll be tomorrow sometime. But I think it was only like three hours later. They were like, 
you can ring him now, you're in labour. Um, so he was back in pretty quick. And um, yeah, she showed up quick enough, um, which was nice, nice, short enough labour. And did you, when you knew you were going into labour, how did you feel? Were you nervous then or had you prepared for this? You know, obviously any any woman going into labour is nervous, but did you have any more concerns there? Um, I don't know. It's one of these weird things. Again, COVID and lockdown has made so many resources unavailable. And only in the last few weeks, maybe maybe even two months, have a lot of hospitals managed to get their resources at least up online. So um, there was no like antenatal classes available. There was no um, all of the mummy and baby groups, all of the breastfeeding groups, all of the breastfeeding courses that would have been run by the hospital, they're all gone. Um, so we had had to find an antenatal class um, through a private company. And we had done that and kind of gone, okay, we'll rewatch that though in the last week because give us ourselves a refresher in our brain and so that was my plan because literally I finished work on the Friday and my plan then for the week coming was um to watch the video and on the Monday night was when I went into labor and literally as I say I was in bed and the water my waters broke and I just turned around to my husband and I was like what are we supposed to do when the waters break? He's like, go to hospital, go to hospital now, get yourself together. And I was just kind of like wondering around, going, are you sure? Is that what the class said? Like, no, I swear they said like, you're supposed to wait until your contractions are really close together. But like, I don't have any. He's like, we're going to the hospital, just put yourself together and get in the car. I was like, all right, okay. And then, yeah, it wasn't until the contractions actually really started to kick in and the pain of them kicked in. Then I started to get a bit nervous. And and at that stage, they had sent him home. Um, so for that bit, you're in a hospital bed on your own. And it is very different trying to control your breathing and get through each contraction on your own compared to when someone was with you. I even noticed the difference of when a nurse would be in with me when a nurse wasn't in with me because someone like in in your brain you're going okay breathe like this and count like this and whatever else but when someone's there with you and they're helping you through that and they're taking some of the thought process away from what you have to do I found those contractions much easier even though they were the same pain level I found them much easier than when I was on my own um so I was incredibly grateful when the nurse kind of came in and was just like, said, these sound like they're getting a lot stronger. Like, I'll just check how dilated you are. And then they realized that my husband could come, could come back in. Um, so, yeah, I would, that, that was when I was nervous. Um, 
was when I was on my own. And again, that's another thing that you feel and for, because it's still happening now, is that partners can only join during active labor. So only once you are a certain number of centimeters, can your partner come back to the hospital? And there'd be some people who'd be induced and they could be in labor for a whole day or somebody can come in. So yeah. Yeah. If there's anything anyone can do is like literally try and try and learn, get, get your tens machines, get your anything that you think is going to help you because it is nerve wracking and it, it is hard to control and definitely the support of a partner makes all the difference in that state. That's what I was going to ask you. Did you have any coping mechanisms? Because I'm sure there'll be women listening to this who are about to go in and, you know, start that early labouring journey on their own. So is there any coping mechanisms that found that you found helpful? I have, I had gotten a TENS machine, which again, I planned on practising um, during that week. And um, so it was a little bit of a, a hodgepodge trying to stick the pads on my back by myself and try and figure it out but I did actually find that that was really really helpful just it gave me something to concentrate on like trying to figure out the machine trying to figure out okay now I can press boost and oh I can up up this now and I that was something that I found quite helpful was the tens machine and then when it did come to it if they offer you an epidural, take it. <laughs> There's no reason to say no to it. I had kind of thought like, oh, I'll just see how it goes. But as soon as I was in there and they were like, you're in labor now, I was just like, yeah, I'll have that epidural. <laughs> Anything to make this easier, a much calmer experience. At the end of it, when people say you kind of forget the pain as soon as your baby is there, it really is true. <laughs> like I, I didn't think you could forget the pain, like because it seems so much at the time. But genuinely, like they just turned around to me and they were like, "She's born," and my husband says apparently I just like then reached down and took her off them. I was just kind of like, okay, and just kind of, I just instantly forgot that I'd been in pain. It was just like, oh, okay, hi, look at you, okay, you're here, okay, what's going on? Yeah, how did you feel at that moment then when you had her in your arms? <laughs> she is here, and she's not going away. <laughs> like, that, that was a really nice kind of feeling, and just to to sit with her and sit with my husband and just realize that like, okay, this is our family and yeah, all is going to be okay. And we've got to believe it will be okay. And yes, we've been in a really bad place and we've had really like bad times, but what's meant for us happened in the end. And we're we're together yeah we couldn't love her anymore like 
little ball of ginger fun. <laughs> She's my husband's twin, basically. If you hold them up together, it's just like, oh, okay, all right. You look exactly alike. Great. <laughs> I think it's so important what you highlighted that. Um, loss is lost no matter what stage you're at and very often people think just because they had a miscarriage at six weeks that it doesn't compare to having a late miscarriage but you've highlighted that it can be the same um i hope it helps somebody else out there like yeah it's just one of those things i remember i i do remember another thing that i had said to my husband was it was probably not long after we'd lost Luke a friend of ours the year before had lost uh, early enough on um, but I remember turning around at the time and being obviously so upset about our, our loss of our son and saying to my husband though I couldn't imagine how they had felt because they had another child and kind of going like, we've lost a dream. We don't know what it's like to have a child. So how much worse was it for someone who already had a child and then they lose uh, the next one because you know what it's like to have a child? And it was something that took me a long time to realize. And I think it was only when I had the further miscarriages that it was just like, no lost at any point at any point just heartbreaking people feel it in different ways quite obviously and the severity of it for some can be so extreme because some people they've had five six seven miscarriages and they just can't see like they can't see the other side and they don't know whether they will ever see the other side. And that that was how we had started to feel as well. And obviously there's no answer for anybody because unfortunately for some people, that is all that's going to happen. And all, as I've said the whole way through, is get a good support network around you. Be honest. Ask for help. Ask anybody for help. Be honest. Listen to to listen. You'll be surprised how many more people have been in your position and the support that you can get from them if you're honest about it. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. Simply pop me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under irelandsbirthstories. I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.